Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. What's up, guys? It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Uh, weekend recap. Here's what we got going on. So Terrence Crawford retains his WBO welterweight title. He won in the sixth round via a stoppage. It was a technical knockout. He hit Amir Khan basically on his thigh, and Amir Khan was getting the crap kicked out of him. It really it, it wasn't a thrilling fight at all it was a, it was very much a route Terrence Crawford put him on the canvas in the first round and it was it was a runaway like he was he was taking a, a bloody beating to the to the to the face he was taking a beating to the body um you know had a little bit of success with his with his with his right hand but that was about it and so Terrence Crawford was uh, was running away with the thing and was on his way to victory So he hits him in the sixth round on his thigh. I was very confused by what was going down in the midst. I was like, did he break his hand? Because he, he goes over in a heap. It was very delayed. It was a weird style. It was a weird style. And so, you know, the doctor comes in. The, the referee goes, hey, you got your five minutes. He tries to loosen up the shorts, you know, give his boys a little bit of breathing because everybody thinks that he took one into the, into the nuts. And so, you know, he's like looking into the corner. Virgil Hunter's like, hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And and he's like shaking. And so the doctor comes up and they wave off the fight and ends up getting stoppage. And the way they they determined it, the referee determined it is, you know, he refused to continue. He didn't want to go. He had his five minutes and he decided he couldn't go on. And he ruled it an accidental low blow. So in that case, it's a stoppage if he doesn't want to go on. And Terrence Crawford gets the win. Very unsatisfying fight. Um, and a lot of people are crushing Amir Khan and Amir Khan's had a long career. He's had some rough losses in his career. They played the Canelo one a bunch of times, the loss to Danny Garcia. He's had some really tough times. A lot of the, he's, he, you know, the, the lead up to this fight was talking about how Amir Khan was, you know, had the whole Twitter meltdown, the, the, the problems with his wife, the problems with fame that he had to deal with. And so, it was it was a tough watch for him. It was tough to see him go out like that because it does looking back on the replay and I know he said afterwards he was he was you know peeing blood. I I don't understand how that's happening so fast after the fight, but I'm not a scientist. But if you look back at it, yeah, it looked like he took one on the leg. It didn't look like he took one right into the ground. Like if I could relate it to something, if we look back to um, Sergey Kovalev versus Andre Ward. Andre Wards were much closer to getting Sergey Kovalev in the nuts than this was to Amir Khan getting hit in the nuts. And so everyone's blasting him, and even Terrence Crawford's calling him up on stage afterwards. 
when they're up at the press conference, he's like, you quit. Just admit that you quit. And nobody wants, you know, Amir Khan doesn't want to be called a quitter, but it seemed like he had had enough. Like, this was a case of, you know, maybe somebody else should have thrown in the towel and they go to Virgil. Did Virgil stop the fight? And Virgil's like, no, I asked him if he wanted to continue. And he said he can't. So it's a tough look for Amir Khan. Uh, it's an unsatisfying win. And we're left in this situation where because Terrence Crawford was looking for this fight, this was a pay-per-view fight, $70 on ESPN plus, you know, people are looking for these, this welterweight matchups and saying, well, who's the man They kept doing the pound for pound thing and the best welterweight thing. And how could you be the best pound for pound if you're not even the best welterweight in the division? So this is the way I look at it because Bob Aram comes in there swaggering in afterwards and he's asked about the Errol Spence fight. That's all we want to see at this point, you know, moving aside from the Amir Khan thing and whether or not he quit, you know, I, I hate doing that to boxers because uh, I don't feel like it's my place to say that, but it didn't feel like with all the parties coming out afterwards, it didn't feel like a great look for Amir Khan. Visual evidence didn't feel like a great look for Amir Khan and all his supporters uh, all his his team seemingly saying, nah, the Mirkon didn't want to keep going anymore. What else can we deduce? Then he didn't want to continue fighting after taking a pretty bad beating from Terrence Crawford. But I would say one that had a bit of an unsatisfying conclusion to it because of the way it ended. I think it might have, it probably was going to end up going there anyway. It probably would have ended by technical knockout eventually, like a pure technical knockout. Um, but we didn't quite get that. And... Afterwards, Bob Aram gets in the ring and he's like talking about the Errol Spence fight. And then he goes, we want the fight. Terrence wants the fight. The only person who doesn't want the fight is Al Heyman. Hey, everybody should. And this is the thing that drives me crazy with Bob Aram, man. Like of <laughs> you go into this thing and you want to, you're supposed to make deals with people and you're supposed to make, you're supposed to make fights happen. And what does he immediately do? He tells people to boycott Al Heyman's fights to make the fight and i'm like well how how is that supposed to work bob explain that to me how is you telling people to stop consuming al Heyman's fights how is that supposed to motivate al Heyman to want to do business with you when you're telling people not to consume this product anymore it's just very confusing to me it's a weird strategy on bob aram's part i don't i don't understand it i don't get it i don't want to get it and I hope that the Errol Spence fight does happen because there's really, at this point, what else is left to be done with these two other than make this fight happen? And I, I feel like we're scratching our heads, looking around at each other a lot of the times watching these top flight guys in, in holding belts in the same division and we're like, well, why can't they fight each other? Why can't this thing go down with each other? And it becomes very frustrating as a fight fan. There's nothing else to be done other than these two fighting each other because we're sitting here comparing performances and we're like, well, who's the man? And I'll tell you, I think Terrence Crawford is the man. I feel like he is the better fighter than Errol Spence. Not by a lot. I don't feel like me saying that is putting Errol Spence in light as... Errol Spence sucks. Errol Spence is amazing. I got to watch what he did firsthand ringside uh, against Mikey Garcia. If you want to say which one was a more impressive showing, 
there's no doubt in my mind what Errol Spence did to Mikey Garcia was way more impressive than what Terrence Crawford was doing to Amir Khan. There's no doubt. Uh, Mikey Garcia, undefeated, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the planet. I don't care about size. I want to talk about he didn't outsize him. He outranged him, but he technically broke him down, systematically broke Mikey Garcia down, a guy who seemingly had no boxing flaws and systematically broke him down. Errol Spence's performance uh, against Mikey Garcia blew Terrence Crawford's performance against American out of the water. And I'm a guy who I think Terrence Crawford is the better boxer, has a few more tools in his toolbox when he goes into the ring, but you can't deny what Errol Spence did that last time out and I think is now closer to argument of being the man more than ever. But we need that we need it to be settled. We need it to to be decided who is the guy. And this this pissing contest between these promoters is ridiculous. At every weight class, at every turn, at every juncture, all these streaming services, all these platforms. There's no difference between having the Showtime HBO thing that was hindering things beforehand than what we have now with the ESPN Plus, DAZN, Showtime, PBC, all that stuff. So, unsatisfying night in boxing with Terrence Crawford winning the way he did because of the low blow, because of the controversy with how Amir Khan went out and all that stuff doesn't feel like you give an ability for Terrence Crawford to get the proper credit for the win. Um, but even still, like if we were to look back a couple of months ago or a month plus ago at Errol Spence's performance, it was a much better performance. It was, it was an incredible showing. I think it was, if anything, uh, a, a real trademark performance of Errol Spence's career where he's shown you, no, 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 this is what I bring to the table and, and showed you, I'm not just a guy who can out muscle people or put guys away. I can outbox them. I can outclass them. A guy you think is smarter than me. I can go and out 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 smart in a ring that's what errol spence was bringing to the table so i feel like he's got a bigger stake to the throne than he's ever had uh i still lean terrence crawford as who i think is better i still think terrence is slightly better but it's closer than i've ever thought it is and we need these two to fight more than ever it's never been clear that we need these two to fight we're back after this it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket All right, guys, doing a little bit of a revision. If you guys heard on Sunday, we did an Easter show, so it was taped um, and didn't get all of the facts as far as it was, it was concerned with Jarrell Miller. And when we last talked to you, we were talking about one positive drug test for GW1516. It was just a endurance enhancer and a fat burner. You know, things that aren't exactly surprising for a guy if you see the stature of... Big Baby Miller, uh, not a surprising thing for him to test positive for, but um, it turns out he failed two more tests. He failed a blood test for HGH. He failed a urine test again for GW1516 and EPO, and EPO, which if you guys don't know, that is what uh, TJ Dillashaw recently just popped for and got suspended two years for by... Uh, what commission was that? Was that New York that he got suspended for? I think it was New York. So, look, that's in all the way a bad look for 
Jarrell Miller. He came out, he acknowledged it on social media. Sorry for all the people that he let down. He basically popped for everything you could pop for. An endurance enhancer, and two endurance enhancers, uh, HGH, recovery, all that type of stuff. Um, you know, I guess the only other thing that we couldn't find was just like a full-blown anabolic steroid. But uh, seemingly all these things to keep him in shape during camp or to keep him build up his endurance as the fight was going to go on. And I think the thing that you find uh, disappointing about it is, you know, this might have been the first time that Jarrell got caught. And one of the things that we know to be one of Jarrell's strengths is the amount of punches that he throws for the size that he's at and how impressive it is that he's able to keep up that pace at that size was going to be his real path to victory. And the fact that, you know, he was using something to get ready for this fight to give himself even more of an edge, or if he's just been using it the entire time, it's tremendously disappointing. Um, you know, some of the, these people want Jarrell Miller banned for life. I don't, um, you know, people make mistakes in boxing. People always go to this extreme. Like I heard some pundits saying like, Oh, what's, what's going to take? So what do you die? It's like, I mean, folks, you guys know that people have died from this sport um, seemingly taking on uh, natural on natural fighters. Like, it's a dangerous sport. Um, but the thing that is disappointing about it, if we can just not put it in the category, somebody's going to die. Uh, the thing that you find disappointing about it is Jarrell Miller's in the prime of his career and shouldn't be needing these enhancements like maybe a 43-year-old or a 44-year-old would need like TRT or something like that. Like in some regards, I find like those things should be okay or are more okay with an older fighter needing those type of supplements to continue fighting on and, you know, we're just putting everything under the same umbrella. But when you're in the prime of your career and you're fighting a guy who's in the prime of his career and you're needing basically every supplement under the sun to keep your endurance up or to burn fat or to make your body the most efficient that it can be, you know, then I kind of run out of stuff to use as as justification for you being able um, to continue fighting. So he does. Yeah, he needs to be suspended. I would say, you know, 18 months at the at the least, probably a couple of years, Jarrell needs to sit out um, because that's a lot of positive drug tests. That's a lot of drugs that he got caught in his system with. You know, he's, you know, he went, this is the thing that you know, he, he went with the first test, he was like, oh, unknowingly took the supplement. And then that statement was deleted after the two other tests, so... We're basically at admission at this point. So if you admit it, you know you were caught. Um, and after you made a big show of of AJ being on all these steroids, and that, by the way, in my mind, doesn't mean that AJ is not on any performance enhancing drugs. He may very well be. I don't know. I, I, I put that in the category. I don't know if he is. But I don't. I know that one person got caught, and that, that person was Jarrell Miller, and a guy who I have said on the sh- we've had on the show multiple times, I'm super fond of. I love Jarrell Miller. I think he's an amazing personality. I love his fight style. I loved what that body brought. Um, it just it seems like it now seems like that body was getting brought with a lot of extra goods flowing through the system. Um, you know, this is uh, I'm not Peter Pan with this stuff. I know that this is um, part of the sport and part of sports uh, are performance enhancing drugs. So 
hugely disappointing. And 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 I go on to say this um, that it's just it's it's terrible that we are here as a heavyweight division that we have gotten to the point where we were here a few months ago and Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder were were just absolutely making it the buzz of the sport and bringing the sport seemingly back from a place that hadn't been in a while, a heavyweight championship fight that had those kind of thrills that unfortunately that also in today's day and age had a viral moment that people memed and shared. I mean, who, who hasn't seen Tyson Fury get up from that 12 count uh, from that 10 count uh, uh, 40 and slip there from that 10 count. Um, Everybody has. It, it seemed like every sports fan had. That that's the kind of momentum it had. And to know that we're now here where Tyson is taking on Schultz or Schwartz, whatever the hell it is, and Deontay is taking on Dominic Brazil, and you don't know who AJ is gonna face. I mean, they've thrown out Luis Ortiz and Jim Joyce and um you know, a, a couple of other names that I'm not super keen on and you know, here we are just in this position where he's got to get a fight in June, the heavyweight champion of the world. And because of all these splits and because of all these divisions, we can't get the top guys to, to even take on each. Can, can Not only can the top guys not take on each other, but now they can't even seemingly find secondary opponents to just keep busy. So it's, it's, it's really disappointing that we've gotten to this point um, as far as fight fans are concerned and all that stuff. And, um, you know, we hope for better days. We'll keep following this up and see where we're at. But, yeah, a huge bummer that we got that news about Jarrell Miller this past week. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury rolls on here for you. Tobin here with you. Now, we got a big all week coming up. As far as mixed martial arts is concerned in our local community, we have the UFC making its return to South Florida this coming week at the BB&T Center. A couple things have changed. The card is on ESPN Plus now, the main card. The prelim cards are going to be on ESPN. But it's the first time they've been to the BB&T Center. Jeez, I think since 2012. First time they've been in South Florida since 2015 when they're at the Hard Rock. And this look, this card hasn't been without its drama because... We originally thought that this thing was going to be in Miami, and there were reports that it was going to be Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa, Boracina, and that wasn't the case. And then we found out that it was going to be at the BB&T Center, but they rolled out with a super weak-looking card, not being able to finalize the main event yet because Yoel Romero was on this reality show. And then we find out that it's not going to be against Paulo Costa, that's going to be Yoel Romero against Jacare Souza. And the problem then becomes, after that, we find out that Yoel Romero, we found out about a week ago, a week and a half ago, he's unable to fight uh, because he, according to reports, was dealing with pneumonia. So, no Yoel Romero on this card, and we got Jack Hermanson as the replacement, who recently just beat the the hell out of David Branch, like submitted him in 50 seconds. So, if he wins this, he's going to really full, jump into the fold at middleweight, which is a really popping division right now. Um, I mean, if we are just looking at the front, if Jacare wins this fight, he's very much in line for a title. I think actually that he's been told and been promised that if he does win this fight, he is getting a title shot. 
I don't know if it's the same case for Hermanson, if he is the one, if he'll be able to get a title shot. But if we're to look at the middleweight rankings right now and where things stand after this, that, I mean, just absolute thriller last week in Atlanta, just one of the best fights you'll ever see. Um, we're at this point where whenever Yoel gets back, he's going to be in the mix for sure. Luke Rockhold's left the division. He's their third-ranked guy. So Jacques, so Jacare is ranked number four. He's definitely going to be next in line. Kelvin Gastelum, he's not going to be far out because of the classic that he put forth. Paulo Costa, you know that they want to get up there. Jack Hermanson finds himself at 10. Uh, Jen Arid Cannonier is 9. He's going to be fighting Anderson Silva at UFC 237. Um, Derek Brunson's got a lot of work to do because he's lost to a lot of the top guys. And Chris Weidman, I believe, is dealing with a neck injury. Um, but he's a former champion, so he's always going to be there. But the division is very, very much revitalized. So there's heavy stakes. I mean, this is a big deal for Jacare Souza, who's still looking for that UFC gold a guy who signed a big contract a couple of years back to to come back and and return to the UFC and get to his get to his goals. So if you guys look at it from that standpoint, Jacare has a lot on the line here for an absolute legend. Um, it is a bummer though. We can't act like it's not a bummer that we don't have Yoel Romero on this card. He was the hometown draw. He was the guy that was going to bring a lot of the community there to see him. I think Yoel is was the easily the the most known guy on this card, other than maybe Andre Arlovsky, who's been in our MMA world now for over a decade. He's been there forever. As far as the rest of the card is concerned, and I'm looking at this from a couple standpoints, all right? I'm looking at it from how interesting is the card from the hardcore's angle, and then also how is this going to draw in this town? And, and that is part of the thing for me that is important because this is going to be a big moment for South Florida in this regard. If we don't show out at all, and I got to feel it, and I got to be honest with you, like we were doing ads for the UFC early on, and I felt like I was seeing a lot of buzz for it. I don't feel like I've felt, I've seen anything around town for this. Not a billboard, not a commercial, not a radio commercial. Maybe some Twitter ads, but I, I feel like it's it's it was a lot more initial. Hey, it's back than there has been lately. So you know, maybe there'll be a big last week push. But one of the reasons I feel like we're in for a tough angle, I believe that same week on Friday, uh, Titan FC is doing a card at Extreme Action Park. I believe we're going to have those guys in on on the midday show one day, and. Uh, Jason Suarez is supposed to be defending his belt, and that dude looks really, really good. I hope that uh, that he puts on a good showing because I believed, it. you know, the way they're advertising, Dana White's supposed to be there, ringside, uh, cage side, excuse me, and um, giving a look at this guy, and and hopefully he goes and gets his opportunity. We've had Jason Sue before, you know, good young, good young fighter, and very well rounded. But I imagine if Dana White's here for Titan FC, that he's going to be there the next night for his own card, and if it is a dumpster fire, what is that going to mean for us as a fan base and being able to get this back? Because I was, I, from the time this was announced, I told you, I was like, I, I really hope they do this thing right because of how the culture is changing down here in South Florida, how this is the biggest hot, look at it, just look recently at, at these pay-per-views that we've had with, you know, Dustin Poirier trains down here. Um, wins himself a wins wins himself a belt. 
uh, two cards ago. Kamar Usman trains down here. Hard Knocks 365 gets himself a belt. All these people, Jorge Masvidal, staple at American Top Team, showing out on a paper uh, on a uh, on a big on a big card in London. Junior dos Santos trains down here, beats Derek Brunson in the main event. Like you know, basically we're talking about the card after card after card with people who are showcased. And so if if a place is that important to the sport as far as where the folks train, where it is located, where it is headquartered, it should be one of those places that's also just a just a very big deal when it comes to hosting the fights themselves and seeing what it is on the regional scene. So that's why this has been so important and why we've been keen following it. It's not like I want to come out there and bash the card and say, man, I, I, th- no one's going to go to this as a trash card. It's it's it, it definitely comes from a place of concern knowing what happened to us the last time. So that being all said, um, you got Greg Hardy in the co-main event against Dmitry Smolikov. And I told you the last time Greg Hardy fought in the co-main event, I felt like it was too early on. Um, but the numbers dictate it. Like that, he's clearly a huge draw. He clearly gets people to tune in. I know that I've subscribed to Fight Pass on the months that he was going to be on that uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. I can't deny that Greg Hardy draws eyeballs. And I am intrigued to see what is it going to be like the next time. Because the last time that he fought, it was a bit of a zoo. Like he went in there and you know, threw some big bombs, but got into trouble. And then of course, delivered an illegal knee. You know, he's got a lot of adversity. And I do actually think that there is a big swing here as far as where's this MMA career going to go for Greg Hardy. If he doesn't win this fight or if he doesn't look great or he doesn't look like he can keep up, is this going to be a thing for him? Because he had some sensational knockouts on the Dana White Tuesday night contender series, but you know, like we were saying last segment, these things can be very fragile. Your career can be very fragile. And so if you have a couple of showings where it doesn't look like you're capable of being that and you've been on a, a high showcase part of the co-main event of two cards, you know, people are going to people are gonna wonder about you. Uh, they've actually added on to the card. This one's actually a really, really good fight, and this was a, a late addition, but a great addition. Alex Cowboy Oliveira against Mike Perry. I'm very, very intrigued by this fight. Mike Perry, uh, since going over to Jackson Winklejohn, he looked really good against Paul Felder and looked like he had improved himself a lot. The fight against Donald Cerrone, he got absolutely cleaned up and looked like he was he was just swimming in too deep a water. But you're talking about Cowboy Cerrone. He's got more wins than anybody in the history of the sport. And Mike Perry brings a fun, fun style. That cannot be denied. The guy goes there. Platinum Mike Perry goes out there to knock dudes out. You got a guy in in uh, in, in Alex Oliveira who is a good veteran. He uh, he's he's a great submission artist. He is a guy who who brings the fight to a lot of people. Every single time they go out there, you think about his fight with Nancy Medeiros, um, his win over Carlos Condit. He is a guy who can go out there and put forth great great bouts. And I I actually look at that and say that's a potential fight of the night candidate and one that's definitely worth for you to go out there. Glover Teixeira is going to be on the card. Uh, taking on uh, Ian Kutalaba. I can't even pretend I know who that is. He is from Moldova. Never seen him fight before. Uh, He's on a two-fight win streak, but Glover Teixeira, a a staple in the light heavyweight division for a while. John Lineker versus Corey Sandhagen is an absolute monster of a fight. If you want to talk about bantamweight, where we got there, Corey Sandhagen versus 
John Lineker is an absolute burner. And that heavy that bantamweight division is absolutely full of opportunity because of the situation with TJ Dillashaw, which I don't even think we got into on the show. If TJ Dillashaw dug, you know, popping for the EPO and his apology that came out. Um, super disappointed that that was the case for, for TJ. Uh, not surprising. I mean, he had his teammates actively saying that he was a guy who used and he was a guy that, 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 that dabbled into the PEDs, but you just think about, you know, the entire idea of him going down to 125 pounds. I thought it was a bad idea from the start and look, maybe he's been, you know, according to teammates, he's been using forever. So I have no reason to believe this is the first time, but think about him wanting to keep up his stamina because he is cutting an extra amount of weight, that much weight, where he looks like Skeletor out there, and he's saying, oh, more energy than ever. It's like, well, now we know what. He's got a lot of rebuilding to do. You talk about a guy in TJ Dillashaw who's going to be thought of as probably one of the best bantamweight champions of all time, if not the best, is a guy who had one of the biggest upsets of all time when he beat um, Henan Burrell for the title. And the fact that he's now got this on his legacy is is uh, is a huge bummer. And people are wondering, like, well, why is this one got the the visceral reaction so much more than the John Jones thing? I think it's probably just because this is such a dead red. You're caught. Another part of it is we found out that EPO is not tested for all the time with USADA, and so him getting busted on this was not only a shining light on the test that he got popped for, but was also a shining light on, oh, USADA, you're not quite doing this right. Maybe take a maybe take take a look in the mirror and let's figure some things out. Um, also, he's been very personal with the with the Cody Garbrandt uh, matchups, with the Dominic Cruz matchups. He's been in a, a lot of heat as far as his character is concerned, and the whole thing that went down with Teen Alpha Male. And so, I think people were starting to turn the tide on. Ah, you know what? Maybe TJ had it right the whole time. Um, but when something like this goes down, it's it's uh, you're, you're going to lose a lot of friends. So that I think is why it's been maybe more of a, a, a oh man, that's I, I'm not happy about this reaction than oh just ho hum because I think we're mostly ho hum on a lot of these steroid tests or PED tests. But this one really really did seem to bother a lot of people. Um, so yeah, so the, the, I would say if you're going in next week. I hope that you go out. Uh, you guys go out to these cards. You know, go out to the UFC. Go out to Titan FC. Quite frankly, I mean, if you want to catch a make a whole weekend of it, um, they both put on good. I mean, Titan FC puts on uh, great shows and they're fun. It's good to see these guys who are just starting up in their careers. And you know, a lot of these fights are really, really entertaining to watch. But this UFC card, Jacare's got a lot on the line. That has to be seen. Greg Hardy's career. Whatever you may think of it, uh, all the baggage that comes with it, all the infamy that comes with it, all the negativity that comes with it. Um, if you're just intrigued by the story, is Greg Hardy going to be able to do this as a as a thing for a living? Well, we'll find out this upcoming fight. Alex Oliveira versus Mike Perry. That's a possible fight of the night candidate. Glover Teixeira been doing the damn thing for a long time. John Lineker, Corey Sanhagen. That's a fight of the night candidate. Andre Arlovsky is an absolute legend. Um so I don't mean to be doing a sell job on it, but I'm I'm hoping people who listen to this show and I'm hoping the people who live in this community go out simply because I want to see it come back and hopefully it can reboot to give us a real monster all-time card, whether it be uh, a Jorge Masvidal defending 
maybe or fighting for the title in the future line in his hometown or Yoel Romero doing the same thing in his hometown. Something like that I think would be absolutely amazing if we would actually ever get a pay-per-view down here in South Florida. I feel like we would definitely show out for that. Um, but this one, I think we got to show a little bit of work. We got to show a little bit that we have a thirst for it. And if that's the case, if we do, if we do show that, um, I think those bigger, those bigger cards will be down the line. I wish it was the case this time around because it feels like we've been on enough of a, a hiatus, but is what it is at this point. Like we got a little bit of bad luck with y'all getting hurt. So now hopefully those, uh, those things that I've laid out are enough to get people intrigued to go and hopefully it's enough of a showing in front of the company boss that they'll want to come back here uh, much sooner than it was the last time they were here. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Earlier this week, got a chance to have the UFC legend Sugar Rashad Evans join us on the Midday Show. If you guys don't know, I'm sure if you listen to the show, you do, but... Every week, myself, Leroy Beast, we go from 1 to 4 p.m. And Sugar Shot Evans, he was covering the, the the fight for ESPN. And it was a really cool moment between him and Israel Adesanya after winning the belt and all the things that he had done for him. So, really cool conversation with Sugar Rashad Evans. Here it is. We go to the Ryan Fields and Downstairs Convenience Stores guest line. Truly says Bianca They will find UFC legend Sugar Rashad Evans joining us. Uh, Rashad, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I wanted to get you out, Rashad. It was really cool this past weekend. It was an amazing, uh, amazing card in Atlanta, UFC 236. Style Bender versus Kelvin Gaston was one, one of the best fights you'll see. But, like, hey, man, this is, like, a few cards in a row afterwards when you're interviewing him there and you're up on set with ESPN, and he's openly going to you and, and, and thanking you for how important you were to his career, bringing him on in and, and, uh, and, and showing him, uh, you know, that he can hang and be at the highest level. And this happened with Kamar Usman as well. Like, this is this is a continuing theme, Rashad, where, like, this next generation of guys, they're all really appreciative of all the things you did on on, on the road to uh, to them getting their championships. Yeah, you know, um, you know that's something I'm proud of because, uh, you know, always looking out for the young guys is something that, um, that, that I really took pride in doing just because I, I, I really understood what it was like being in that position. And uh, whenever I've seen, you know, young fighters really, really trying hard to, to make it, you know, I, I gave them a helping hand, you know. And some people, you know, I've I seen they, they don't really do that. So, you know, they get really appreciative when they, when they have somebody who does go out their way to make sure that, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they, they try to achieve their dream. Rashad, was somebody like that with you or nobody was like that and that's what made uh-huh. you want to do it for other guys? Do you hear us, Rashad? Robbie, see if you can uh, reconnect Rashad there for us for a second because uh, it seems like we're having some connection issues. Yeah, man, it's been wild. It's been like they were going it, to there. It's really cool because, you you know what? And and I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but I'm going to use this as an example. Is that in football, they always put a guy on it. So Chris Carter is helping out Randy Moss mm-hmm. to the point where it started irritating Randy Moss. Oh, yeah. You, you see what I mean? Like, come on, man. You know me. Chris Carter took me under his wing. You, you, see, you, you see what I'm saying? So it had a negative effect. Um, But with Rashad, he's just kind of doing it 
not looking for it. Nobody knows he's doing it in the background. Right. And then these guys are coming out. So he's le- legitimately doing it for the right reasons. Nah, yeah, yeah. I, I had people uh, who looked out for me, you know. Um, right. I, I, I had Dan Severin who uh, who looked out for me, you know, in, in Michigan. And, uh, you know, Nori Hernandez, he was one of those guys who looked out for me. And, you know, I had, I had a few guys along the way. Greg Jackson was one of those guys who looked out for me. Mike Van Arsdale, you know, these are, these are guys who looked out for me and brought me under the wing to help help bring me along. So, you know, um, and, and, and the, the thing about it is, too, you know, when, 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 when I see these young guys, it, it, it would just fire me up because it's like, a, it's like a dose of reality of why I started, you know, because when you, when you do the game for so long and, you, and you've been in the ups and downs and you have the heartbreaks of it, you get soured in so many ways. But when you see these new guys with these bright eyes and this, you know, this, this eye on what could be, it kind of reminds you of why you're doing it. So a lot of times just feeding into these guys' energy is a big reason why, you know, I surround myself with, you know, always making sure that I'm, I'm being there to help these guys out. Do you remember what it was like for you, Rashad? Because that moment's got to be so cool when a guy like uh, Israel finally gets to a belt, Dustin gets to a belt, Kamaru gets to a belt. I mean, all the, the struggles that they've been through. Is, is that usually like the pinnacle of a fighter when you've been doing so much chasing, struggling, and sacrificing, and you finally get to that 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 uh, that great accomplishment? Yeah, it is. It is. It, it is. It's just so. It's just so remarkable to see. Like when you see, you know, a fighter like Dustin, you know, who's who took the long road and didn't have, you know, any breaks along the way, you know, and had, you know, devastating losses along the way too. And then to finally come out there and show up and show up in a big way against one of the best fighters of our time and Max Holloway, you know, that's just, that's just epic right there. That just, for me, that just gives me goosebumps right there. And, and it just reminds me, you know, how beautiful the sport is and, and why I even chose to do it in the first place. How does, what what changes once you get the belt? Like how does how does the mentality change? You as a, champ, a former champion yourself, um, do, does it get does it get taxing? Like does it get uh, you know worrisome having to having to carry this uh, responsibility of I'm at this accomplishment now and now I got to keep it going? Yeah, you know because you become the hunted, you know, and then now your mentality has to change because now everybody's looking at you as if like you know you're you're that big ticket, so they're 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 um, doing everything and, and, and surrounding their, their consciousness around anything they do to beat you while you're, you know, getting spread in many different areas, becoming champion and, and getting pulled in different other er- in different areas. These guys are, they're, are foaming at the mouth at a chance to fight you. So you have to match that energy when you get inside of that cage. And, and it takes a different, it takes a special mentality of a champion to go in there to, to do something like John Jones and, Demetrius Johnson and Daniel Cormier. You know, those guys, you know, it takes a different kind of mentality to do that. Rashad, uh, you've obviously something you've seen up close and personal recently, but how has ESPN's uh, foray into uh, into UFC uh, affected or impacted the sport? You know, it, it's always it's, it's huge. You know, ESPN is, is, uh, is a big, you know, mothership of all sports broadcasting. So, so when it comes to just having that, that uh, pulse on 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 America, you know, that, that's that's the network. And when people come and tune into the network and they see, you know, the UFC there, you know, on the front, you know, with, with the great highlights, it just draws them in into the sport. And then they start to go in and start to learn about these athletes and then see, you know, the best thing about being, you know, being a UFC fan is just understanding once you 
become a fan, you, you get to meet these fighters, and then you see these fighters are not so much, you know, so much further than you know people that you may know or you know somebody that you you know you, you yourself, and, and that's the best thing about being a, a fan, and that's why I think we grow so much because people resonate so much with the fighters because we're so approachable. Rashad, next week uh, the UFC's returned to South Florida for the first time I think since 2015, and and you've been such a staple down here with with uh, with training with the the Black Zans and for Lauderdale for a long time. Like this has been such a hotbed for a long time of guys coming down here to train, um, but it never seemingly has picked up the same way as as getting the big big fights down here. Do you think that's something that can that can switch? Like, do you think it's gotten more popular? Uh, the longer you've been down here with uh, with people wanting to be exposed to mixed martial arts? And do you think that the popularity can grow as far as people wanting to come out to big events? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's going popular, you know. Um, it, it, you know, it's the thing about the uh, South Florida market is just such a, <clears throat> excuse me, such a hard market to penetrate just because there's so much for us to do. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it really takes a, a big magnitude of, of an event in order to, you know, stop to, you know, the the South Florida traffic to be like, okay, this is where we're going to be, and this is the place to be because there's just so much to do. So, right now, we we haven't been able to have, be in the position to have uh, such a blockbuster card, but now we have a champion, the Dustin Poirier, that's you know he represents the ATT. So now we have a chance to have like a big fight here in South Florida. So then maybe we can pull, you know, some big names and stuff like that, but. The crazy thing about this card is, is like is like always that something falls through, you know. Now that yeah. ULs got hurt, you know. Yeah, so, it's a snake bit. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about it, man. I, I would have, uh, I don't know, man. It's just the South Florida. It, it's such a frustrating thing too because you, you would think that, you know, South Florida be able to to be able to have one of the best cards. Well, it's it's funny because it, it like, works out that way. Leroy and I and, and B side, we we go out to a lot of the the regional stuff and like you know we see these these guys who who are coming up and that, those are always like. Um, you know, those are we're always impressed by the atmosphere there. Whether we're going to see, you know, it's either if it's Titan or we even see a guy Tyron Spong over up in boxing. Like people do have a thirst for fighting here, but it's right. it's weird what takes it to that that next level of how do you get everybody out there for these monster events? Like go from a venue right. of like hundreds to to thousands. Thousands, right? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like I think I think I think here's what I think. I think a card like Conor McGregor or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like like one of those. One of those names, or like a Habib or something, you know that that can bring that can bring some people out in South Florida. I think it would take one of those cards. What was going through your mind uh, when you were watching this card this past week of of Style Bender versus Kelvin Gaslam? That was that was a, that was a wild back and forth affair. Oh, man. It was it was yeah. it was crazy. Like both of those guys having their moments. Um, I mean, like, do you come out? Of, like, can you come out of those fights the same? Like those are those are legendary making fights, but man, it feels like they they almost leave a piece of themselves in there. Yeah, you, you, a piece, a piece of you dies at night, you know, and and, and it stays forever with that that uh, that person that you fought. And no matter no matter what, you and that person that you fought, you guys are forever bonded for life, no matter what. And it's just something that happens, you know. But um, especially when you pour yourself to empty like that, you know, their spirits, you know, they they, you know, they 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 mix, so they they're bonded for life. But that was a that was an that was an amazing fight, man. It was just up and down, you know, and the crazy thing for me is that, you know, I'm, uh, I'm pretty good friends with both of them, you know, uh, Calvin, Calvin is, uh, you know, pretty good friend of mine, uh, pretty good friend of mine. 
Um, and and Stalvin, as you know, he's for the money as well too. So I just want to see a good fight. But to see that back and forth action, man, it, it was it was bananas because. I didn't expect I, I didn't expect Stylebender on the ground to be able to yeah. sustain himself and even go for an attempt like he was doing. That blew me away. Uh, obviously, he's going to be taking on Robert Whitaker in the near future, but him and John Jones have been going back a little bit. Um, oh, what man. do you what yeah. do you what do you think is like is, is that is that too much for Stylebender because John's you know one of the best of all time, if not the best. Um, <laughs> like, is that something that you think he he needs more seasoning and then could maybe get in there with it, or that's that's probably just not not something he should ever tangle with. Uh, yeah, I think I think that John Jones is a different animal for him right now. You know what I'm saying? I think that uh, I, I think that the stop in there, he's he's still like, you know, like like for instance, if he's a lion, he's like he's like a young Simba. You know, he's just kind of stepping into his throne, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. John yeah. Jones is, is is that old Mufasa. He's at the top of the hill. But listen, John Jones, he only got a few more seasons to roar at the top, right? But then pretty soon, you know. Stuff's gonna, then, then, then now the style bender's attribute is going to start catching up with him. Now he's going to be the big one soon. Well, so I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say this: John Jones will will, will will do a thing with him right now, but who knows? This kid grows fast. In a couple seasons, it might not be the same. Uh, Rashad, we really appreciate the time, yeah, man. man. Thanks it for spending time with us, and uh, all the best no to you, man. Thank you. All right, no problem, guys. Take care. Sugar Rashad Evans, UFC hey, legend. I got to tell you. And that's the show this week, guys. Same time, same place. Next week, Fighters Fury right here on 790 The Ticket. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.